Hi, this is Carol Miller from iHeartRadio's Q1043 in New York. On this podcast, we give you a taste of authentic local British radio with our good friends, presenters Nigel Pierce and Alan Thompson and their Groove Britain programs. This time, Nigel has a Beach Boys special. The Beach Boys, by the way, are on an extensive world tour. And Nigel speaks with British songwriter and producer Steve Thompson. Welcome to Groove Britain this Sunday afternoon on yours truly, Future Radio 107.8 FM, beaming out of Norwich, Swindon 105.5 FM, beaming out of Swindon, of course, uh, Q104.3 FM in New York, courtesy of Carol Miller and UK Radio and Radio Stockton that uh, have now started to take our shows and welcome aboard. And there was Don't Worry Baby from the Beach Boys. Now, believe it or not, that was done in 1962-63, but that is an old alternate version done in true stereo and the reason we're going to do a Beach Boys special which is called 2020 is that um, I'm very honoured again to have a guest on the show that knows a thing or two about songwriting and uh, we featured his latest album a couple of programmes ago and I'm very pleased to have Steve Thompson back on the phone. Steve, good afternoon to you. Hello, how are you doing? I'm alright buddy, you doing alright up there? Is it raining yet? It has been but it's not now <clears throat> but everything is wet. Yes. Now, it sounds like we've been in the sea, so let's get on to the sun, the surf, the sea, the sand, and everything else. There it is, this classic from 1960, early 60s, Don't Worry Baby, a version that has had so much, you know, not enhanced and added, but uh, brought out from the mix. Your thoughts on that track, Steve? Well, it sounded great. I'm, I'm listening on my phone, obviously, but it still came through. But you said 62, and I'll I tell you, something incredible about that song. Um, my uh, connection to the Beach Boys is largely the Brian Wilson connection. I just admire the guy so much for his songwriting skills. And uh, I love that song, but one of the things that um, perhaps uh, listeners, the, the layman might not know is happening there is that the chorus goes up into a higher key yes. every time. And, and then it does a little modulation, as it's called, to bring you back down into the the verse key. Now, people weren't doing that in 62, certainly not people as young as Brian Wilson was. What an incredible talent he had for songwriting. He did indeed, and uh, he moved on from there. It's not going to be a cavalcade of hits, because I'm building most of the programme around that great album, Pet Sounds. But uh, you're, so, you're so right, Steve. Now, what I'm going to do is play a track from that album, uh, Sloop John B. Now, it was a new arrangement of a traditional song, I know, uh, but this has been cowering away in the studios for years, and I've had a copy for about 20 years, and uh, I hope that you can hear it. But I ask you not only to listen to the vocals, just listen to the bass line. Um, it's been brought right forward, and probably for the time, on a mono player, it was too heavy, and I wouldn't mind betting that the stylus jumped like one o'clock. But if you listen to this, as I'm sure you'll pick up, the bass sound is like a river, and it's going down the river with the Beach Boys in a small boat on top, just steering the song along. So have a listen to this, and uh, Sloop John B. We come on this sloop, John B. My grandfather and me. Let me go. You're listening to Nigel Pierce, Future Radio 107.8 FM with the Beach Boys 2020. And I'm very pleased to have Steve Thompson in tow today. Steve, what's your thoughts on that? It sounds great. It sounds 
crisper and uh, more modern than the the album version. I always thought, actually, on on Pet Sounds, which I think is one of the best albums ever made. It's just incredible. I thought it was a bit incongruous with the other stuff on that album. Um, it seemed like a the, the Beach Boys seemed to have leapt into the future with uh, what Brian Wilson had come up with for that album. And that was one of the songs on the album that harked back to where they'd come from. And, and I think the guys in the band probably felt more comfortable with that and some of the, the, the new stuff that he was giving them. The word was that not everybody was into this new stuff that Brian was coming up with. Um, but it sounded great, yeah. Well, obviously you'll hear it when you get the programme because I know you up there on Radio Stockton you will be putting the programme out um, You know, every Tuesday and every Thursday at 4pm on your slot. So uh, That's right, that's yeah. Great. Now, um, I'm going to ask you, because I know that you're doing songwriting classes, etc., and experiences and everything else, because you are, put it, let's put it bluntly, songwriter supreme. Um, so, and I don't mind saying that, because as I said, we reviewed your album uh, a few programmes ago, and the response we got from that, I tell you, St- Steve, was absolutely fantastic. Um, oh, great, thanks. It really, really was good, and I was very privileged, and I'm to, not only to review it with you, as the progenitor, producer, whatever you want to call it, and all things in one, it was very. It was a collage. It was a stupefying collage of music, and I could hear a lot of Beach Boys, Beatles types effects in there um, because of the way the music expanded. Now I'm going to put a track on called "Wouldn't It Be Nice." So I would like you, please, to tell me your thoughts on that song before I play you this version because I believe this will absolutely knock you out. Yeah, well, I love that song. It is um, such a, a joyous expression of youth and and grow you know um when we can say good night and stay together the, you know they're looking at becoming adults um but the sounds and the melody structure and the chords um the introduction is deceptive because you hear this little introduction and wham it comes in i think probably in another key again um the just listening to any of the songs on this album is a songwriting masterclass in itself. So that's all got ingrained in me, and that you know, and came out in my own album, as you, you noticed yourself. Um, so I've carried these sounds around in my head for years. I don't put them on a record player anymore. I just play them in my head. That's always the best way. It's clear, uncluttered, and fresh every time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, now then, you've given me your thoughts because you obviously listened to uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice intently. It is a major song for you, which, which is what's just as I thought. But I'm very pleased to be able to play you this version. So please just sit back and enjoy and envelop and let this song take you over with this version of Wouldn't It Be Nice. And I want your thoughts afterwards. Um, I, I'm not going to tease anybody anymore. Just listen. Maybe if we think and wish and hope and pray it might come true Run, run, will Baby, then there wouldn't be a single thing Wouldn't it be nice? The Beach Boys from Pet Sounds, but not from Pet Sounds. Steve, let the master take over. Have you come back to Earth yet? Oh, man. Uh, Goosebumps. I had no idea that was going to happen. It re- it just took me over completely. I was expecting the opening, as you expect, and even that's a surprise every time you hear it. But I've read so much about the production of that album, 
and the instrumentation and uh, the personnel. It's the wrecking crew, loads of session guys, particularly Hal Blaine on kit, um, and the strange instrumentation, um, the, the combination of instruments. And Brian Wilson was a big fan of uh, Phil Spector, and there's, I mean, it's a little bit of Spectre in there, but he's taken it to a whole other world. But that mix you just played was a, a big tease because some of those instruments that you hear uh, in the mix were brought out up front as if to say, this is what you've been hearing all those years. Here it is up front, and then a little bit of this and a little bit of that. That was just an amazing range. I never thought that the original could be, could be surpassed, but that was incredible. I can't play the original now, the, the 2 minute 28 seconds, the opening track, without referring to that, and that is now a staple part of my record collection. I still call it records because I'm the, of that age, but um, I think that is a stupefying collage, and that's where I got that phrase from in my head when talking to a lot about your stuff, because your stuff is just, is just as clever. Your stuff is very three-dimensional, um, just as that is, and you've put that final finally capped for me and it was great for me from a personal point and a professional point of view to be able to play that to you as a professional because your music surprised me so much when I first heard you do it and I've been able to give you something back um, in the fact that I do have these alternate versions and things stuffed away in my archives that I've had for a long long time and uh, to be able to get the recognition from you on that does me really proud indeed. Well, thanks, yeah. And I can see how there's a, I mean, it's a backwards connection because I'd never heard that mix before. But the stuff on my album, um, it's very much played with real live musicians. But then I took the ability of what you've got with modern technology, which has probably been applied to what you've just played me, and moved things around to a, a more interesting place. So... A musician might play something in the fade-out that hardly gets noticed. So you think, let's move that to the front of the song so people get to hear that wonderful thing that that guy played as the thing was fading out. Um, and, and I think you've got to be careful with modern-day production because it's, it's too easy in yes. a way. Uh, yes. And you could just throw it down. So what I try to do these days is to, to do the organic approach and then apply a little bit of technology to it rather than the other way around. But what's been applied to that piece of music, just, I mean, it had to be of vast quality in the first place because you couldn't have done anything with it if it wasn't absolutely amazing. And it was amazing, but it's been taken to an entirely different plateau there. So thank you for playing that to me. It's incredible. Are you still in contact with Brian? Because I'd like to get that release as a single um, and I'd like to do something with it. But obviously, um, maybe you're not. But I mean, if there's something we can talk about after the show, because I think that's worthy of an issue in its own right today. I never was in contact with Brian Wilson. Uh, I am spiritually, but uh, I oh, never well. met the guy, never spoken to him. The closest I came was um, Gus Sturgeon, a friend of mine, ah, yes. uh, did a, an, an Elton John recording, which the, the Beach Boys provided harmonies on. Um, I forget which song it was, but you probably know. And so Gus said, go on, you're going to ask me for a Brian story. Everybody wants a Brian story. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I said, go on, tell me, what, was he there? He says, yeah, he was there. Um, and he said, they all went in to do, I think it was Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me. Um, and uh, whatever the song was, the Beach Boys themselves were doing the harmonies, but Brian insisted on singing Rocket Man. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, well, that, that's brought tears to my eyes, I can tell you that, Steve. But I'm glad you liked it. We go from, uh, wouldn't it be nice to, yeah, well, you know, we just, but, you know, I don't know what planet that man was on when he wrote that song in the first place, but if you've listened to that version and what the Beach Boys did to it, oh, man, he's still up there. He's still on planet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's still on. He never was on this planet, man. It's just, a, the, the word genius gets used too much, but Brian Wilson is and was an absolute genius. And the fact he did so, I mean, I think probably why the, a lot of this early stuff was mono, because the guy's only got one operational ear. Did yes. you know that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. <laughs> I mean, I'm, how can he turn out these amazing sounds with one ear? Because yeah, I think he has to work at it. I think that's the end of the, you know, I think at the end of the day, he's got to work twice as hard with one channel rather than a little bit easy with two. I don't know. It's an abstract thought, but no, seriously, yeah. the guy is yeah. so, he is a genius. Uh, he's crafted possibly one of the greatest albums of all time in Pet Sounds and this next track I'm going to play is another take entirely now I know that if the last track stunned you this is going to stun everybody it's only 2 minutes 48 seconds but I just ask everybody to sit back, relax close your eyes and listen to this I may not always love you but long as there are stars above you How's that? Was that cool? How's that? Was that cool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Um, that is one of my favourite, if not the favourite song. And it's it's probably the best pop song ever written. And what was interesting about that, Nigel, was um, for me, there, there are two very important elements to that song. And you played one of them, which was the melody. It's uh, an incredible melody, and, and it's, a, it's just amazing. That was Carl Wilson singing the lead on that, wasn't it? It was indeed. Or was it Brian? No, it was, yeah, right. it was Carl, it's, yeah. There's some very similar Carl and Brian, but it's, it, it's, a, it's a tough melody. But what I think is incredible about that song, too, is the chord progression. Yes. Um, and I analysed the whole thing in my songwriting masterclass I was telling you about, because that chord progression that he uses in the song that we didn't hear because the chords were taken out relies on something technically called inversions um and it's a it's more more of an orchestral thing than a pop thing of course lots of people do it now but it's it's a method whereby you play a chord with the right hand but on the left hand you play a different note than the root the obvious note and that sometimes i just sit there and play the progression the chord progression of God Only Knows over and over for about an hour, just round and round. And it's a form of therapy. It's just the most incredible chord progression. And yet, it's amazing to hear the song without that chord progression, and it still sounds great. Uh, so that song to me, I mean, I don't think you you could ever ruin it because, um, you know, it, for a man that was so young and so gifted, and I think it was unfortunate, and I say this in the very nicest sense, that he had the Fab Four to deal with. Um, I mean, it was such a work to put Pet Sounds on the market and make it, I think, one of the most beautiful Pops albums ever made. Then yeah. the Beatles hit with Revolver, so he tries to come back and not counter, but use Revolver as a board to go further, and he gets near to the end with Smile, and uh, then Sergeant Pepper comes out, and then, you know, as he sort of recovers, the White Album comes out, and, and stuns everybody. I think what really struck Brian, and I did see an, in, see an interview with him, he said, 
you know, what I couldn't get over was this ability for the Beatles to be able to continually produce and get better. He said, I tried to get there. He said, but uh, he said, I just couldn't do it. I remember him saying, he said, I just couldn't match their output. He said, and that was the real stunner. Well, I think, I think he was too young because actually he did it. um, You can't compare, um, as great as it is, you can't compare Sergeant Pepper's revolver with Pet Sounds. They're different. Yes. And if he'd been older, uh, and certainly what I would do, uh, if I produced pet sounds, whoa! I would just stand back from that and say, "Hit me with whatever you got." But that stands as my piece of yes. work, and and to be honest with you, that's what I—that's me in the Long Fade album. It's like yeah. there you go. That's, that's the best I can do. Uh, you know, whatever. That's that's where I am now. I've done it, and there you go. But uh, I've got a few more years on me than Brian had at that point in time, and I guess it was competitive. And I think that just sent him a bit crazy. I he think should it, have relaxed on it. Yeah, that's the, you know you, you get a bit mature and you say, "Kate, well, I've done it," you know. But no, he, yeah. he, he wanted. But I'm not degenerating anybody. It was just the fact that everybody else also suffered under the prodigious output of the Fab Four because they could scan everything and expand every time they went into the studio. But that's another story. I'm now going to go backwards to go forwards because in 1967, afterwards, they um, obviously were working very hard on Smile and he got lost in the mix um, through various reasons that we've just touched on. But they did issue a single. Now, as far as I know, it was only issued in mono and I'd like to play the genuine stereo mix of this 1967 hit, which was a cover from... um, the Phil Spector days are written by Ellie Greenwich. It's their cover in full stereo for many people for the very first time. Then I kissed her. You're listening to Nigel Pierce, Future Radio 107.8 FM, Swindon 105.5 FM, Stockton Radio up there in the northeast of England, and Q104.3 FM in New York. Uh, and Steve, who uh, sits up there very well in the northeast of England, your thoughts on that, please? Nice stereo, pure, clean commercial pop. Sounds great. You can't argue with that. But the thing that went through my head, it's, it, it, it took me off on a tangent. And I'll tell you what I started thinking about was the juxtaposition of uh, Phil Spector and Brian Wilson. There was an odd thing going on between those two guys. I mean, Phil was there first and he did some incredible recordings and Brian Wilson took some of those ideas and took it to a different planet entirely. But it kind of freaked um, Phil Spector out. Yes. And he thought that Brian Wilson was stealing from him. And then Brian, being <laughs> out there himself, thought that um, Phil Spector was sending strange things to the ether to try and get at him. So they, were, they didn't do each other any favours. And of course, Phil Spector went, has gone totally off the planet and is currently in jail for shooting someone. It's, I mean... And it's not the first time I'd heard of uh, Phil Spector pulling a, a gun on someone. I think he did it with um, John Lennon when he was producing John Lennon. And he, he pulled a gun on the Ramones. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to pick a producer, I wouldn't be going with Phil Spector because I don't like producers that pull guns on you. You know, it's not, it's not really good for the vibe, is it? No, not really. No, I mean, let's face it. You know, Joe Meek may have tried it once or twice as well, but that's, that's another story as well. But uh, yeah. yeah, but what a beautiful, what a beautiful progression, an example of pure, clean commercial pop. It's just straightforward. It just says it all in in in, in as short a time possible as well. It's um, 
that's when pop songs were really just a fresh commodity that young people could enjoy and you know it was pretty straightforward um was that on pet sounds as well because that sounds a bit incongruous with some no the- that was going to be put on they, they issued that because the album smile um was lost in uh, the mix and and they went for 18 months with no recorded output and then they cut these tracks in 1967 which is why they harked back to 64 and that is why they were done and it could should have become an ep but then they used then they released smiley smile um which didn't do particularly well and there's a whole story and panathia behind that which we can do for another program because having your input today i think is wonderful and it's unique because you are a musician as i say talking about you know the big sky and everything else and the long fade and you know what you did um there is more than just a passing link so it's absolutely great that you can put your input today steve yeah, I, I, I've read a lot about that. Um, what happened with Smile, and and then eventually Surf's Up came out, and and it's very hard to sort the myth from the fact now. And I don't know if anybody, even those present, know the facts anymore because it just became such a mythical story of intrigue. Well, I think it became the story because of the sad breakdown of Brian Wilson. And I, and I, and I think, you know, um, it was a long time. He admits it himself. Um, you know, he even had the beach put into his house so that he didn't have to walk on the on the line. I said, you know, it, it's it, it's amazing. Some of the stories that you hear well, when Brian tells them, I would, you know, obviously relate to them more than what has um, sometimes been said in books. Because he was there, as you said, he he was there, and he obviously felt it, did it, well, experienced it. <laughs> Sometimes he wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Now I'm yeah. Go- I'm going to cheat a little bit. I want to move forward to sixty nine, seventy when they really came back with a bang. And again, this was on a single from Capital, um, but uh, there was a stereo version which wasn't very good. I was very very disappointed when i heard the stereo version on the album and about 15 years ago i got hold of this and i thought yes that's how it should have sounded all those years ago so have a listen to this that steve is how it should have sounded yeah sounds great that's it's good old rock and roll that um but what i, I like about that is that some bands would stick with the three chord trick there you go bang but there's this middle eight that just comes out of that rock and roll such a melodic midsection there and then it's back in heads down rock and roll yeah it's terrific and i love the extra guitar work they've pulled out of the mix that was in there and when you get it up to your you get it up to stockton and listen to it which i know you will you'll hear so much in there you'll think you know why the hell was it blanked out or why couldn't they bring some more out onto the album and if you play the Uh two side by side you'll hear the difference and uh, it is mind-blowing but uh, so's the next track um i'm gonna play you a track again that everybody knows including your good self in 1968 when the czech republic was being overtaken by the russians this was an influence to the czech people because i can break away to a better life and have a listen to an extended version with some lovely vocal work on the fade out of breakaway i think that's an absolute light steve do you not I do, yeah, and what's really nice as well is some of the things that you've just got little snippets of, 
and enjoyed so much that little breakdown at the end there, you got extra to that. I think there's also, to a certain extent, in the opening structure, a little bit of a, a nod and a wink to Don't Worry. Um, but yeah. The, yeah, I just love the, the chord progression. I mean, <clears throat> this is not what people listen to when they listen to it, but I listen to what's going on. and um, So the melody and the structure of the thing is just so joyous and you know it it makes you feel good just listening to it and it's because of the the workmanship that's gone into putting it together that makes you feel great so the the layman will listen to it and just feel great um we we know why you feel great yeah. because it's the work that the guys have yeah. put into it now i'm going to jump forward to 1978-79 when they had a brief revival in the charts they issued an album called la light album now i've got a fantastic version of that album um that i bought at the time on vinyl and they played a track called full sail uh and i saw a picture because i believe songs write like an artist they write pictures i can see pictures in songs the, the, the album is the artist's palette and each song is a track and they puts a bit of a an orchestra or a guitar or it's another colour, it's another shade, it's another depth. And that's how I did it. And I've learned that from studying, I believe, the George Martin technique. But uh, and a lot of people use it. Now, I'd like to have your undivided attention. If I haven't had it already, I know I have, but it's just a pun here, you see. I wanted a picture of a clear blue sky, a sailboat on a deep blue sea and nothing else and uh, this track to me really summed it all up and i love the way that the harmonies stay away till very near the end and as it as they come in the backing group and everybody else it just puts another whole dimension on the song i'm not going to say any more i'll let you experience and the beach boys can tell us Does, did I explain it fully, Steve? You did, yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you put the, the idea of a, a boat on the ocean because that, that was the picture I got. And I'm not familiar with that one. I don't, think I've ever, it, I don't think I've ever heard that one before. But it does paint a picture of a beautiful sunny day and a really relaxed sort of atmosphere to it. It was beautiful. I thought it's a stunning track, and uh, nothing ever came of it. It was buried on the album, and uh, there it stayed, unfortunately. Um, but I marvel at that, because that's very near symphonic. Mm -hmm. I, I believe it is, you know, with the harmonies. The way that it starts with the bell, and then you start with just him and the keyboards, and then as they come in on the second chorus, very lightly with the backing harmonies of the ooze and all this, and then they come in with adventure on the high C, and it really builds to a crescendo. I actually think that's a whole symphonic movement in pop. Yeah, you could be right. You know, and, uh, you know, I've got to say, crikey, it's 50, 50 minutes already. Well, I'm going to finish with a track that's going to take us where we have to go, uh, not to the end, but uh, the colder weather is coming. I don't want to be a dampener, but the reason I'm going to play this is they were also a very good, the Beach Boys, at harmonising on cold weather. Now, nobody sort of understands they, they could do that, but they could do it very well. And I want to put this in because I'd like to talk about this track because I think this track is absolutely beautiful. 
and it signifies the cold, the snow coming up at the door and how this guy, Brian Wilson, wants to break away and go somewhere to get his life and get everything in order. And I couldn't think of anything better than what we've got here. So please have a listen to this. And maybe you haven't heard this either. It's a track called, quite simply, Going South. It'll come in a minute because we're going live. Here we go. I think of going south. I think that's stunning, Steve. Do you not? <clears throat> that's amazing. I had never heard that before. Um, it was incredible. I loved when the sax came blasting yeah. in off oh, that man. first I... verse. Oh, it's beautiful, yeah. and it? it just sends you, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've slumped back in my chair. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's what it's all about. But I think, you know, we've had a great experience today. And I, I like to say, you taught me a lot with your album and your songwriting. I hope that I put something back in your box. You know, uh, although I might be behind the mic and not an instrumentalist, I, I, I like to think, which is one of the reasons why Stockton obviously have taken the programmes, is the fact that I put a different feel to what we do. It is music, it is memories, but it's also inspiration, isn't it? It is, yeah. And, um, you, you, I mean, I thought you were going to be talking about uh, Abbey Road today, and it took me by surprise, which is a great thing to be taken by surprise. And so you took me by surprise with every track. Um, the uh, Wouldn't It Be Nice was just in incredible. Um, uh, but then you took me by surprise with some tracks I'd never heard before, and, and then God Only Knows stripped of the backing um, it's just amazing, and a lot of it took me by surprise because the the Beach Boys and the, particularly the work of Brian Wilson is entrenched in 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 my spirit, in my soul, from the stuff I heard that inspired me to do it myself. And but you sometimes forget about that stuff, you do. and you it's do. good to be reminded of where the foundation right. of what you do is. Right, I will get back and do Abbey Road. We've got about 10 seconds. I'd like you to say goodbye to you and everybody up there and hopefully you'll say goodbye to all those in Norwich and everywhere else, Steve. Goodbye to everybody in the world. I'll see, see you, see. you soon. And you, Steve, I'll call you a bit in a bit. Ta-da. Ta-da. That was presenter Nigel Pierce discussing the Beach Boys with UK songwriter and producer Steve Thompson as part of the Groove Britain program series. You can hear Nigel and Alan Thompson and their programs on futureradio.co.uk at 3 p.m. GMT on Sundays and at other times on Community Radio Swindon and Radio Stockton. Check their websites for times. And you can hear more authentic local British radio next time here on our UK radio podcast. U.S. production by Paul Logos for PLX Mastering. And this is iHeartRadio's Carol Miller from Q1043 in New York. See you next time here on UK Radio.